Hello, I'm Brian Mastriani, and welcome to Resolve Talks, the podcast from Resolve Global Health, where we speak with experts from a range of industries about what is holding us back from building healthier societies around the world. Today, we're joined by Dr. Andrea Feigl. She is the founder and CEO of the Health Finance Institute, which is a U.S.-based nonprofit that aims to increase investment in non-communicable diseases to save millions of lives. Their goal? To take economic evidence and translate it into actionable, high-impact blended finance investment opportunities worldwide. She's joining us today to discuss the role that a possible health credit system might have on the world. This proposed system would attribute points to companies depending on their positive or negative impact on global health. Dr. Andrea Feigl, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We're so excited to have you here at Resolve Talks. Thanks so much for having me, and I'm just as equally excited as you. Yeah, and you know, it's one of our first episodes, so I feel like this is a great way to get the podcast going, and I feel our listeners will really appreciate your insights today. Wonderful. Let's get going. Um, well, let's dive right in then. So first of all, this idea of a health credit system that would be applied to these uh, international companies around the world. Um, how would you best define what it is and what is the inspiration behind this concept? Yes, so the health impact credit, very simply speaking, is basically um, a measure that tells you um, or the consumer or the investor, um, what is the health impact that, um, that a company is creating? And the reason that we think it's it's a useful and also important tool is, is that um, for decades in economics and in research, we have shown how health and wealth are linked and that by preventing, um, by underinvesting in health, we're actually creating um, societies that are living in a second best solution. So basically, we're losing four to 5% of GDP growth because we have such a high disease burden due to chronic diseases. Um, we also know how to, how to, um, how to prevent or uh, make investments that can actually further population health and also you know, improve the economies writ large. So we think that with establishing a credit system like that or uh, a metric like that, we can help um, impact investors make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And just to give you sort of a sizing of the opportunity here. Um, <clears throat> so um, the impact investing space grew from just over 300 to um, over $400 billion between 2021 and 2022. And it continues to grow. Mm. But what, how impact is defined is often a very sort of ad hoc um, uh, based on a very non-quantifiable approach. So we want to basically help investors that want to create better and healthier societies, make more informed decisions, and also crowding capital um, into the health space because we know that for every dollar invested in, for example, chronic diseases, one to five, uh, sorry, for every dollar invested, often five to seven dollars um, can be yielded in return. So very like again to summarize what a health impact credit is it gives you power it gives you it gives you knowledge and it also highlights the good that companies 
um, are doing that they're currently not being rewarded for in um, impact rating systems. Mm. So in other words, it's kind of creating something that's akin to BSG or the environmental, social, and governance framework, um, but it's applying that to uh, a global health uh, concept. Um, you know, why has there been no measure like this previously? I think this is, this is a really good question. Um, and um, I've been reflecting on this, um, on this myself. And I think that one of the reasons is that in health, we're lagging behind in the sophistication of our data collection systems. So, um, you know, electronic health records often aren't linked to um, financial outcomes. And it's been often, especially in Western societies, um, the, it, you know, uh, based on um, government investments in these types of data systems. Um, and there's also data privacy issues around health data and health also sits in the public good space, rightfully so. So the notion that um, a public good can also create investment value is something I think that requires a paradigm shift. Now the good news is that with the global pandemic, um, everyone has, like most of the world has woken up to the notion that stronger health systems, stronger response systems, stronger data systems actually can help um, save economies a lot of money, um, as well as, you know, avert um, adverse outcomes in health. So I think that we are in a very, in a very opportune moment where, you know, better data collection systems, digitization of health records and so on can actually make it easier um, uh, to, to adapt sort of these types of um, uh, these types of metrics in the investment world as well. So it really seems in this current pandemic era that we've been in, it seems like it's the perfect time for this kind of idea to, to take hold. Exactly. And just to maybe just add one, one uh, little footnote mm. to that. Um, one of my favorite economics professors when I was at Harvard, David Hemenway, Professor David Hemenway, he published a book called um, While You Were Sleeping, basically highlighting success stories in public health, right? And so public health success often means people don't get sick, right? Mm. Um, there was no pandemic. Um, there was no further outbreak. And therefore, everybody could go on as they were going on beforehand. So, and, and so that's, and so often the successes in public health are, aren't being celebrated, but with, by shining a light onto these successes with better data, I think we can really also help in creating a bit of a paradigm shift around that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously we see on a daily basis, all of us interact with these big companies, you know, in our, in our day-to-day -day lives and I was curious, you know, if this system was implemented, what would be some of the concrete causes and effects here in terms of how we are actually working to build those healthier societies, um, given that paradigm shift that you're just talking about? Yeah, I think that, um, I think that, you know, by, by moving towards a standardized metric for health impact, you could almost think of like a global bank of, you know, like the same thing that you can measure your carbon footprint of different societies. You can measure the health impact of, of different societies, right? We, we sometimes do that in the academic setting where we say, well, you know, we could 
you know, uh, we're losing 9% of, uh, of the economy to preventable um, disease spending in the U.S., and we could basically almost say, well, the health impact credit and the decisions that have been made because of this impact credit have actually averted these losses to society. So that's really at the macro level um, where we could basically track these uh, track these successes. Um, there could also be um, a tracking of how many in impact investing decisions have been made by utilizing this standard, right? How many billions of dollars of assets or perhaps even trillions have been rated based on that and potentially even change your investment strategy. Um, so instead of, you know, diverting from fossil fuel investments, the success story here could be, um, you know, redirecting investments towards um, companies or products that actually would create a better health impact. Um, and I think it's it's something very simple, right? It's, I think it's an idea that people can get behind because right now we measure health impact in something called DALIs, and it's an acronym, as so many things are in global health. You <laughs> see disability-adjusted life year, and then it's a compound measure of years, years of the disease and early death, and early death depends on how healthy your society or is to start with, and then you can decide whether you weigh impact on health at young age or not. And then you basically also make a value judgment around, um, you know, the value of, of, of a DALI. So you probably got lost while I was explaining this if you're not in health. No, you're shaking your head, so you didn't. Great. But, you know, maybe like a person who looks at a formula and is like, well, this is too complicated to me, right? Like they just want to have like a traffic light system. Same thing for like food labels, right? You, want, you don't want to have complicated nutrient information unless you're really into nutrition. You just want to know is this food healthy or not, right? And when you make investment decisions, you just want to know, do I create positive impact or not, right? So we really want to create an accessible metric um, based off of scientifically guided measurement systems, but make these decisions, like making the healthy investment decision the easy investment decision with such a metric, basically. <clears throat> and when you put it that way, it seems like, very obvious that we should have a system like this in place when you have so many other kinds of rating systems that um, uh, hold companies accountable to, uh, you know, do the best work that they can. Exactly. And I mean, I think that accountability often comes with legislation, right? So um, it might be a bit of an uphill battle to um, you know, it could be either a carrot or a stick approach to have companies assume that. So the way we're going to go about it is we first want to be, we want to uh, test our prototype um, impact credit and see if it is actually helpful for funds in their decision making. If it actually, if, if applied retrospectively, if those, those um, investment decisions that scored higher on our scale actually yielded greater returns. And if that is consistently true, then that measurement system will start selling itself. Mm. The other way is to, is, is to explore um, commonalities with um, carbon credits or our carbon uh, carbon impact uh, or green bonds as well. Because you know, if you lower um, certain emissions, you also lo lower um, chronic lung disease, uh, cancer likelihood, and can cancer prevalence, and so on. So we, if we can actually piggyback on some of the um, 
uh, carbon credit um, um, carbon credit industry, then uh, that might, might also be an easier way of of um, enticing companies to basically um, adapt and adopt such standards. Um, you know, you, you touched a little bit about on the, uh, on this uh, a minute ago, but in terms of holding these companies accountable and in terms of the ways that they affect the overall health and economies of countries where their businesses have a footprint in, I'm curious about especially the role that uh, this rating system could have on making sure these uh, businesses are um, impacting uh, communities in low and middle income countries uh, in a positive way, uh, given I feel it's not a newsflash to anyone, uh, the role that sometimes these companies play in exacerbating, you know, mm -hmm. health disparities, for instance. Yeah. Um, so we're still looking at different models um, uh, and incentives that, that could really stick and work. But just as an example, a lot of pharma companies and they have, um, you know, access programs into a lot of emerging economy in, in a lot of emerging economies, and they uh, report on a quarterly basis um, with metrics about their ESG performance and uh, the way they're the way they're assessing their S, so the social impact of ESG, as it relates to their health impact, is still variable and is non-standardized. However, the decision about the, the impact against these ESG standards directly affects the investability, the size of the continued investment in these companies, as well as the variable compensation of the CEO's compensation packages. So we have at least in that particular industry already a system that would align extremely well with a standardized health impact credit. So if such a credit or impact metric were to be applied um, across the pharma industry, and they would actually benefit from utilizing it because then they would have a standardized way um, and it would then align everything, their bottom line, their investment committee, their corporate social responsibility, as well as the decompensation of executive leadership will be directly incentivized to actually make sure that what they're doing, for example, in their global access programs in emerging economies would create real health impact. Um, the one could also think of a, a naming and shaming, right? Where um, <clears throat> you, uh, it becomes sort of a, um, it becomes sort of a, um, um, something that uh, like we can create a fear of missing out around this health impact credit, right? If you can show, um, you know, positive correlation with uh, with returns, with uh, better impact credits, with investors um, really prioritizing companies that apply this credit, other companies will want to um, uh, will want to make sure that they don't miss out. We're still thinking a little bit about the shaming component, and I'm going to share, share an anecdote um, uh, that, that, you know, when I tried to sell the idea to my nine-year-old son, and yes, he's good at math. However, I wanted to see, he's like, you know, mommy, what are you working on? And I was like, well, I'm thinking about this new company. 
and this is what we're doing. It's like, well, what's it called? It's like a health impact credit. Well, what does it do? And I said, we're going to rate companies based on how much health they create. And he says, oh, I get it. So Pfizer would get above 90 and, you know, McDonald's would get like lower, like 20s or something. And I said, well, why is that? You know, why is that? Why do you think that is? And he's like, well, you know, McDonald's is pretty unhealthy, you know. And truly, we know about, you know, the sugar sweetened beverage and, 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 and how fast food and ultra processed foods are actually really bad for bad for, for population health. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes they do have a salad, so I guess it's not completely zero. And then, you know, pharma companies, they they have, um, you know, they, they, they offer drugs that cure diseases, but they don't cure everyone and it's not accessible to everyone in this world. So very simplified, but people can get it, right? And if you think of uh, leaderboards, if you look at other ESG um, impact measurement uh, companies that are emerging, none of them actually have a very good way of measuring health impact. They start having leaderboards, you know, of companies that do really well in ESG and companies that are performing really poorly. And if investment decisions and the bottom lines correlate with where they are on those leaderboards, I think we will really see a shift um, in, in, in population health and investment decisions. And this is really what we what we what we really care about, that we want to we know that health improves wealth and at some point we have to be perhaps agnostic around why people care about health impact for as long as we can actually nudge the world to become a healthier place. Uh, Andrea, we'll have to have your son on the podcast next time. I feel oh, like you define that, that really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just curious uh, in terms of the Health Finance Institute, um, when will we start uh, hearing more about this idea that that you are proposing right now, and and when will it start to coalesce and take shape? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're rolling out um, our prototype um, uh, metrics and evaluations in, in Q1 of 2023, and we hope to have um, uh, a, a soft launch in Q2 of 2023. So please stay tuned for that. Um, you can um, follow our um, uh, uh, follow us on LinkedIn. I think this is the platform where we're perhaps most active or subscribe to our newsletter. And we will make sure that um, this idea is um, highlighted in all the appropriate channels. Um, and um, we will, yeah, so right now um, we, we are planning on a soft launch in, in Q2 and then uh, because we want to get it right. Uh, coming from academia, we don't just want to have a product we want to have a product that is also um scientifically sound um but yeah i think uh i think the the market um and has there's a great opportunity that we see in the market right now because a lot of companies want to um verify their impact but health impact even you know even if you look at the health impact of the workers so we haven't even talked about that and the health impact or the lack thereof that companies are creating is not reflected um, at all in <clears throat> credit reporting systems, impact impact measurement systems, and so on. So I think there's there's a lot to be done, and we actually we also hope that there's going to be a lot of really healthy competition out there because that will just make sure that the products that are being created have much greater applicable applicability and value. Well, given that you just brought that up, I think that is an important point that we didn't touch on. Uh, what kind of uh, domino effect would this have for workers who are um, employed by these companies if if the system was 
something that took off and, and became standardized? Mm -hmm. So I so I recently spoke to um, a, um, a venture capitalist um, and I always loved like what I saw. My background is in academia, right? So I always want and I, I have, I run a health finance institute, but I always want to make sure that, you know, our ideas are actually um, uh, worthwhile to those really working in, in the capital markets as well. And I said, you know, how would you use, um, I asked this, um, the, this head of a venture fund, like, how would you use a metric like that? Um, when you make decisions about investing in companies and he said they have a risk score. So for each exit or new round or funding, they're basically deciding on uh, based on a, you know, a formula, whether they invest in this company or continue to invest or not. And um, uh, the likelihood of employees to stay in a company is directly related with the valuation of that company. So he said that if that company has a higher impact score, um, he, he will know that um, this impact score will increase the likelihood of employee retention and job satisfaction. So, um, and thereby this impact credit will actually um, contribute positively in and of itself and basically give intrinsic value um, uh, to, to the company as well, intrinsic and external value to the company. Um, then I think that the same way that, um, you know, we've heard about the great resignation, right? A lot of people left their workplaces in 2022 because we don't really know the exact reasons, but I think just being satisfied with their working environment and looking at a balanced, uh, balanced uh, work, work life, balanced life, good work life balance definitely influenced the decisions. And, you know, if the internally focused health score um, is high for a company, right, they could actually use it to attract talent. And it could also then be a tool for um, employment-seeking individuals to make a decision about, is this, you know, is this a workplace I want to be part of, right? So they, you know, right now they can look at like diversity and equality and women on boards and things like that. and you know, people make decisions based on that, uh, whether they want to work for that place, whether their values are being aligned, and that health impact score could be one of these decision tools to really um, uh, attract talent and retain talent as well. And I know it's always hard to um, look into the future, but if we could look into a, a crystal ball and, and the health credit system has been proposed, it's been standardized, it's been accepted by uh, the world and and, and uh, business, the business system. Um, in ten years, where would you like to see uh, this health credit system, and uh, what impact do you think it'll be ha mm -hmm. be having? Yeah. So one of my favorite German authors is Hermann Hesse, and he said you need to um, you need to reach for the ideal or the unreachable in order to achieve the achievable bad translation but you get the notion right aim high if you want to if you want to achieve um impact and um so time and again depend we see that uh four to five percent of gdp growth are lost to um lack of in lack of investment in health and i hope that say 10 years from now eight years post the adoption of the health impact credits that number has, you know, been cut in half. 
So, you know, if another graduate PhD student does a study like that in 2033, they will find that only 2% of GDP are being lost to um, lack of prevention and, and, um, and, and healthy determinants. So, so I guess, and, and that would, you know, that would save trillions of dollars um, over um, probably like, say, a couple of trillion dollars a year um, in the world economy. And I think for the health impact credit idea itself, that it becomes a um, recognized metric that is being applied both by governments and businesses and that has um, in a like traceable manner um, affected billions of investment decisions towards investing in companies that further population health. Well, we'll have to have you back joining <laughs> us in 10 years and we'll follow up on all of this. Um, but uh, Dr. Andrea Feigl, uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, for our listeners who maybe are curious about your work or curious about the Health Finance Institute, I know you mentioned LinkedIn as a way to connect with you. Are there other ways that you um, wish people to um, seek you out and learn more about uh, your your nonprofit and the work you're doing? Absolutely. So the website, um, so two websites, one is healthfinanceinstitute.org. Um, the other one is healthimpactcredit.com. So um, you feel free to um, browse our websites and um, subscribe to our respective newsletters there. Um, you can also reach me at Andrea at healthfinanceinstitute.org. And I'm not that active on Twitter. So really like just uh, put my name into LinkedIn and um, connect with me. And I'm happy to um, happy to further this conversation. Perfect. Well, we'll be on the lookout for, for all that. And um Andrea Feigl, again, thank you so much for taking the time. And for everyone listening right now, thank you so much. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.